to the Impeccable Perspective Podcast, where we help you discover gospel clarity and openness in a new way by letting go of the culture and finding your truth while having some fun doing it. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Peck and Luann Rowney. Welcome back, everybody. Here we are, once again, continuing our series on boundaries. If you have been listening, you have been thoroughly entertained and educated so far on this topic. I'm pretty willing to bet <laughs> that's the case. Uh, <laughs> I know we have. Entertained, wow. Sure, a little bit. Sure, why not? This is true. We are entertaining. A little bit. That's uh, A little mix of entertainment along with a lot of information and goodness. We'll call yep. it goodness. Right, and um, smartassery is the icing on the cake mm, when it comes to of, us. Kind of like eating broccoli with a little bit of frosting on top. That sounds disgusting mm. to me. <laughs> broccoli with frosting. I, uh, I will not ever do that. Let's just say that. Okay, broccoli with chocolate on top. Does that sound better? Uh, it sounds better because okay. it's chocolate. But, okay. Um, I'll probably just lick the chocolate off. <laughs> I don't think I can uh, eat that like that. Uh, that sounds like a crazy dessert to me. No thanks. However, we digress. We are continuing on with our series on boundaries. It's been a lot of fun so far. And if you've been listening, uh, you're um, certainly uh, more aware now, I would imagine, of boundaries and uh, how we set them, why we set them. The myths, we talked about those around why, uh, or I guess the myths that stop us from right. setting healthy boundaries, basically, the things right. that we believe that uh, uh, help us to um, to really struggle with boundaries, which is not cool. So uh, that is good. So the next step in this whole series is we are going to be talking today about the laws of boundaries. Right. And this is a big, uh, big topic. This is kind of propelling everything forward here after this. It's, I think it's going to be really uh, much easier to understand how to set them and why they're so important. And the book that Joe and I have been using for this is uh, by Dr. Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend. It's called Boundaries. Um, it is one that I use in therapy with every client because guess what? Every client out there has problems with boundaries and that's why we're talking about it because it's not something, and that's the thing. Don't feel guilty as we go about this, go, I really don't understand this. It's more of a learning, growing awareness, uh, to help propel you into a place of healthiness and out of the culture, even from society. We're going to talk a little bit about that society, the church, others around you and your family families just there's no perfect family families don't always have really healthy boundaries and so whenever you go out into the world and they have this practice these spiritual principles or these emotional principles you don't understand them it, it's so foreign and you feel like you don't fit in and that you need to be defensive and the way your family taught you is the right way and the wrong way which gets into judgment as opposed to just learning and saying okay I can learn from others or learn from watching or learn from experience how to have boundaries, how to set them and how it brings me love, happiness, fulfillment, safety, peace. I mean, all of these things are things that happen and, and really to operate in accord with reality, the reality that God has set up for us, which many of us want to shun and not look at that. And we want to have it our way, not the way that it really is. This is an Arby's, right? 
What was that? This isn't Arby's. You can't have it your way. <laughs> no. Well, no, that wasn't Arby's. That was yes, it was. Burger King. Have it your way? Yeah. Oh, uh, you sure? Have it your way. Okay. At Burger King, it was. You can have it your way. I thought it was Arby's. Pickles, lettuce, <clears throat> don't upset us. Remember? Ooh, we're really going back. I don't get into fast food enough to know these things. I don't uh, go to Burger King, but, uh, but that was no. back. I do get into music mm-hmm. back well, in the day. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> to take a completely different direction. It's a different approach to it. But no, and that's the, the part of God's laws will always be unchanging. And it is what he has set within the bounds that we can be prosperous and happy and find joy. When we push against those boundaries, that's whenever he wants us to. He wants us to say, okay, God, why am I doing this? And that's how we learn and grow. We make mistakes. We have the atonement. And that's why the whole reason the atonement was set up. But if we don't ever cross a boundary, we don't realize that, oh, that was something that I, again, hurt somebody or I hurt myself and I need to have that. So... I'll be honest and say that I didn't really truly understand boundaries at all until, honestly, I think I got divorced and, and started into therapy. I mean, we all know that there are boundaries, right? Obviously, in certain things in society, we understand we don't do certain things. We do do certain things for specific reasons because we know that certain things are good for us and protect us and other things are bad for us. But I don't think that a lot of people truly understand boundaries in terms of what they really mean like the, the actual essence of them and I think as we've seen so far in this podcast that there's a lot of things that mislead people when it comes to boundaries and they think they're setting them properly but they they don't but I never really understood exactly how deep this goes and how important it is and how we really need to set them properly to ensure our uh, our safety and our success in our happiness and all these things so and, thank and heavens always, for our podcast I always go back to peace because when, within those boundaries is a place of peace. And, and if you want to look at it in a simplistic way, if I look at my windows as peaceful, whenever there's a lot of noise outside, or boundary, sorry, I can shut my windows and it's more peaceful within my home because it blocks out the noise. And, and it's the same within our lives. I can have a healthy relationship with someone and it will be peaceful whenever they understand and respect my boundaries and it goes the same way. And if I can do that with everyone and not have drama it doesn't take up time and energy wasted on things that aren't going to bring positive or bring what I want to my life and I can have more time to serve God more time to be with my kids more time to be able to be present to the things that bring me that fulfillment and joy in my life and that's exactly what how it works it all right okay so we are going to set the stage here so so first of all uh, there are 10 laws of boundaries that we want to go through. We're doing this in two episodes. So today we're going to uh, tackle five. And then in next week's episode, we'll do the other five. We're going to spread the goodness. Spread the goodness, baby. We're going to spread that love. Uh, Plus, there's a lot to go over. And uh, we don't want to just kind of cover them at a surface level. Because these, the the thing we discovered is that these laws of boundaries also tie into God's laws. And they also tie into the laws of our faith and Especially, uh, you know, we, we talk about the culture of our church, uh, which can be similar to other faiths as well, but uh, they do tie into all of this. So we want to kind of start off by setting the stage here about God's laws and the culture and how this ties in. Then we'll kind of dive into the laws and, and 
um, do a deeper dive into each one and how they relate into this kind of aspect. But do you want to start off with yep. kind of an overview of that? Yep. So what I want to start out with is I was studying, because we do study before this, um, the things that we were going to go over, listening to some conference talks, LDS people have conference where we hear from the prophet every six months, listening to the old one. I always try and listen to every talk before the new one comes up. So I feel like I'm up to speed. Um, one was on the second coming and it had a scripture in it that really spoke to me where in, when we're getting into those times, we know that, that the second coming is getting closer, that people really won't have boundaries. And I have never really viewed the scripture in the same way till I was studying this and made the connection. Second Timothy three, one through four, this know also in the last days, perilous times shall come for men shall be lovers of their own selves. And, and I'm just going to go through it, and we'll kind of go back and, and touch on these as we go through these 10. Um, and lovers of their own selves basically means I don't want to have boundaries. I want to just focus on me. I don't really care about you. I don't care about others. I want to get what I want. And if it hurts somebody else, that's okay. And that's it isn't that they truly love themselves in a skillful, healthy way. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, interesting, disobedient to parents would be, again, breaking boundaries, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, again, a boundary, false accusers, a boundary, incontinent, fierce despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. And then we're going to skip down to verse 7, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And the truth is God's boundaries and God's laws, and they just don't, they will find and try to learn so many things to disprove the laws of God and disprove what truth is, as opposed to the small and simple things, which are simply truths. Well, true, and then that's um, very interesting to see, because we see that in society. So, for example, when we talk about God's laws like that, uh, as we all know, gay marriage has been a big topic over the past several years. And uh, let me let me preface this by saying that I am not trying to uh, take any kind of stand on this at all. Uh, we're very welcoming of people's choices and mm-hmm. all of that. And I have many gay friends who are married, and I love those people, and they're wonderful people, and they're great friends. And there's there's no problems with that. And I'm not saying anything to say that this is wrong. Looking at things though from a uh, gospel perspective, more of an eternal perspective. God has eternal laws, which means that these are laws that are in effect from forever. They never change, and they've always been in effect from before we even came to this earth, and they will stay in effect through eternity after we leave this earth. One of those laws, we believe, is the law of marriage, and this, again, is just an example. Uh, So in God's eyes, uh, his law is that marriage is between a man and a woman. Now, again, that's your own personal choice to decide what you want to do, and, uh, and, and you know, there's no judgment here if you don't agree with that at all. Uh, what's interesting is to see how society is trying to change those laws, where they used to be. Well, they have changed them. Well, they have changed Of course, right. they have changed But it's interesting to see the process happen and how people think, hey, if we change the laws— that makes it different. That makes it change. But what I don't think what people realize is that these laws, among other laws, to marriage is not the only eternal law, of course, but all eternal laws are just that. They're eternal. And you can change anything you want 
on this earth in like the laws of the land, it doesn't change the fact that God's laws are still eternal and they will always take effect and they will always trump anything that happens on this earth. And, and to me, that's the same idea as passing a law to change the law of gravity, right? If we go to the government, we petition and lawmakers and legislatures say, hey, listen, we're tired of this gravity because, uh, you know, it hurts people. It's not working for me. Wouldn't it be easier if we didn't have gravity where we could all just move around, nobody would get hurt and all these kinds of things. So we're going to pass a law on the government to get rid of gravity and it passes unanimously. And now everyone on earth thinks that there's no gravity. What happens if you go to the top of a building and walk off the top mm. of a building? You're going you're gonna to plummet it, it to the ha- earth. It hasn't changed at all. With it hasn't that. changed. So that it, Right. So the point is that's another eternal law. Gravity is an eternal law that you can't change. And so I, I think, and again, this is not saying that um, it was wrong to pass laws on gay marriage. That, that's not what we're saying at all. I'm very happy that people have that freedom who want to live that lifestyle. And they're good people, and that's, that's great. They, they should have that. But I, the, the idea is we can't just change laws here on earth and they automatically change God's eternal laws. Right. That's simply the point. Right. And, and I think in, in, again, we're not judging anyone. We're not saying, we're not saying things are good or bad, right or wrong. It's again, the laws of the land change, but how wonderful that God is an unchanging God, because we always know where we stand with him. We always know that will be his stand. And that's why within the LDS church, that it has to be a man and a woman that are married within the temple. And that will never change because those are God's laws. It, or I'm sorry, sealed. I used the wrong word, but sealed in the temple because right. those are God's laws and they're unchanging because of it, it's an eternal well, these principle. Are eternal principles, and yeah. it will never change. And and that's where we always know where we stand with him. Why? Because he's told us and he's very clear and concise and scripture it doesn't change. It's it is what it is. It, it is, and that's okay. And I think, you know, if you're Mormon and you're gay and you want to get married, uh, you can't get married in the temple, but you can go get married civilly. Sure. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. I absolutely encourage people to do that. It's sad that they get judged for a choice like that and can't be a part of that getting to the cultural side of things with it. But, um, you know, th- there are certain laws that are in effect and they won't change. And if you want to live that law, you have to do it the way that it's meant to be. Otherwise, you can do a, you know, live it another law, I guess. And right? let's go back to the temple covenants may not be for everyone. And that's, again, a choice. And, w- and we're not the judge. And we don't understand everything. That That's God. And he is the only one who understands that. And, and again, that's, but again, we're just sticking with the boundaries of, and, and that understanding that, and it's the, it, the, the laws of God are like the laws of physics. Gravity will always be gravity. When you combine elements, they will always do the same thing. And again, thank heavens for that stability because it just think of gravity changed on a regular basis. And we had to change things in the world based on the, it would cause chaos, complete chaos. Trip. Could you imagine? It's like checking the weather every day. What's the gravity today? Oh, it's at this level. Oh, crap. Now I got to wear these shoes. I'd have to wear a gravity belt, kind of like a Batman or someone. Who knows what, right? You wouldn't know. Or if it changes midday. Right, and you're right. doing something. But well, it's it's completely unpredictable and total chaos. Can like you see that. how when God does that, He does it because He loves us and He wants us to be able to live in a way that is He keeps those well, principles. That's the thing. God's laws, whatever they are, all of them are reliable. They never change, so we know we can count on them. If we don't agree with them, that's a different topic. But you know that you can count on things always being this, the way that He says that they are, and they never change. Mm-hmm. And that, that brings comfort and stability in our lives. So right? now let's go into, if we want to be more like the Savior and more like God, that we will have boundaries. And again, those might change, but keeping within the, the way of loving others and loving God, 
that they change because I, they only change because I am weak, frail, and I have, you know, imperfections and I'm learning through that. But once I learn that this is my boundary, I really hold tight to that kind of like the word of wisdom. It's pretty easy to hold tight to. I'm not going to go drink. Okay. There's a boundary. I'm not going to use illegal drugs. There's a boundary. How hard is it to keep that pretty easy? If I've already made up my mind, that's where I'm at. And if I continue to do that, it, it takes a lot of worry, stress, and choice out of my life because I never, it never comes as a thought and I never have to spend time or energy worrying about it. Right. That's, uh, and I talk about this in my conversion story because that's one of the things that uh, made me realize that there was something different about this gospel when I was Catholic and looking at the other church. That's the thing that I noticed is that people had no problem sticking to those boundaries, right? Mm-hmm. At all. They had no problem with that. And I did. I would have a problem, you know, if I said, okay, I'm not going to drink anymore because I, you know, I get drunk and do stupid things and it's, I don't like the way it makes me feel and all these things. So I'm not going to do it anymore. A week or two later, I'm ready to party again. Like I can't, so I don't have that boundary. But that was, so there was never a temptation for LDS people to want to go out and party like that. Same thing with sex, right? Uh, one of the boundaries that uh, we believe God has set about sex is that, uh, you know, he wants us to save it for marriage. And not everyone chooses to do that, and that doesn't matter. But I struggle with that because that's a belief that the Catholics have as well. I but struggle again, with that. But again, it's easier if I'm not struggling with, hey, what choice am I going to make tonight? There, it, it, I, and I have that solid boundary. There's way less stress, and I can oh, really focus that, that was, on the relationship as opposed right. to that. But that's where I struggled is because I didn't have those boundaries. I didn't have that bigger why as to how do I set this boundary and why do I set this boundary. I struggle with that all the time. And then I look at LDS people. It's like, yeah, for the most part, most people don't worry or don't struggle with not having sex or they don't struggle with cheating on their spouse or anything like that. They just don't because those boundaries are in place. It's like, how do they do that? Like, I didn't understand how they could do that and why they could do that. And that's what made me believe that there was something different, but it was really just boundaries is mm-hmm. what it was. And they, when you set boundaries ahead of time, uh, you have a much easier time sticking to them. I was talking to my son who's uh, 18 and he's just getting out into a new job and he's got the potential to make a lot of money doing sales and he's been successful so far with it and he's setting all his financial goals. And I told him, you need to decide right now the kind of person you're going to be when you have money so that when you have the money, you already have those boundaries in place. You already know what choices you're going to make. It's going to be very easy to make the right choices, and you're not going to be caught up in, oh, I'm going to spend all my money on frivolous things. I'm going to you know, buy material things. I'm going to uh, try and impress people with it or whatever. He's already decided that he's going to invest, and he's going to be smart with his money, and he's going to create a freedom of lifestyle for himself so that he doesn't have to have a job, all mm-hmm. those kinds of things. But it's making those decisions ahead of time before you ever have to make that choice makes it a lot easier for you. And that's one right. thing I've learned. And again, that boundary creates a freedom because mm-hmm. if I always live within my means then I never am chained to debt or into Dave Ramsey principles and, and I never have the stress of having credit cards or having to worry about, I think you have a crush on Dave Ramsey. You never always mention him quite a bit that I've noticed. Cause he's a very, I do during boundaries because he, <laughs> he, if you listen to a show, all it is is boundaries. Yeah, it is. Of that's course it all is, he's yeah. talking about. They're tough boundaries too. And he's, he's, he doesn't like, he doesn't, you know, oh, let he doesn't you mince get words. away with crap. No, he doesn't mince words. He's like, yes, you need to set this boundary. But it is boundaries. I don't know if he even uses that word per se, but it's all boundaries. Right. He's saying, here's how you, here's the snowball effect, right? Here's how you pay off debt. You pay off your smallest debt, then the next one, then the next one, the next one. That's a boundary. Right. right? That you take the money that you start, you know, when you pay off a debt, you have extra money now. Well, you pour that into the next debt. That's your boundary. You could take that money and go out to dinner. You could take that money and start spending on other things, but you're not going to hit your goal. It's and you're boundaries. free whenever you get to the yeah. end. And that's exactly what these boundaries bring to you, no matter if they're emotional. And it's easy with financial because it's money and it's 
You can, it's yeah. black and white. It's very right. easy to see. There's you know spiritual boundaries or emotional, moral, emotional, moral boundaries. Oh. Very gray areas. Gray very areas. Gray, yeah, and, and that's why I like him because it's easy because he's black and white to then right. say here's a good example to look at. Yep, so exactly makes perfect sense that yep. way. Sounds cool. Okay, cool. So um, let's see. We were also maybe we should talk about kind of preface this uh, when we discuss that boundaries are much more difficult in the last days because this is what people are dealing with right now there's a lot of competition out there there's a lot of distractions there's out a lot there. of choices there's a lot of choices out there lots of choices it's incredible how many choices there are nowadays with everything and it's so distracting and you know when, when uh, you know in, in sales for example you know people will just give someone three choices to choose from because mm. if you give someone oh, 20 choices well they won't make a choice mm-hmm. right they won't make a choice because there's too many choices to choose from and so that's kind of where we're at is where, where people kind of don't make choices or they make the wrong choice or they make choices for the wrong reason because there's so much more it's like hey i don't like this choice i can choose something else there's always another option and i think you just become really sort of lost in it right when when you have so many options and, to choose from. And then you're dedicating a lot of time, energy, and focus onto choices that if you have boundaries would take, would be very quick and easy. Right. But but let's even take, for example, books. It used to be you have to either buy the book or go to the library. I'm going to make the, the effort. I'm going to take the time. I'm going to have to select. I'm going to have to choose. But even when I went to the library, it was a limited amount of choices. Now you get on. And it's you go to Amazon, for example. Uh, you don't have to do anything. Hundreds of thousands yeah. of books on Audible. You can listen to them. You can read them. You can buy them. You can read them on an ebook. You can get them instantly. You can watch the movie version of it instead. Yeah, the movie's <laughs> never as good as the book. Let's let's be honest about that. I know. I'm thinking about adapting movies into books. Mm. Take some of my favorite movies and write a book about that them. Could, they've done that. They've done that. <laughs> Have they? But, but there's, and anyway. it's the same thing. So much more opportunity for choices of food. Things were very limited. Whatever season it was, that's Whatever what you, you ate. Grow, for example. And right. if it was a bad year, you didn't eat it. No, now we get food from all over the world. Always. So everything's in season, essentially. It we is. You can always get whatever you want anytime that you want. Yep. Entertainment um, and, and just freedom to fly places places again and that's what's wonderful because we have more choice but boundaries are even more needed and that's where people struggle with them is oh i have these unlimited especially kids and that's why kids need parents that give them boundaries and limited choices because they their brains are not capable of of dealing with that much information that's why under the, the american Psychological Association talks about not giving kids phones till 15 because until 15, 16, their brains aren't capable of choosing what's on that phone in a healthy, boundaried, principled way. And when parents give them a phone, it's a disservice because it is, they don't have the ability to sort through and say, oh, this isn't something I, that's healthy for me to watch or staying up till three o'clock in the morning playing this video game on my phone is not really going to do me very well in school. And that's where we get into the 10 laws. Like the first one is sowing and reaping. If I stay up till 3 a.m. in the morning at school the next day, I don't really focus very well. And what's interesting, and I see this in kids, is then that video game really becomes the most important thing in my life in school. Eh, school's kind of eh, boring. I don't boring. And what, and I don't know what, what am I really going to do at school anyway? Why do I need school? You know, if I'm, I'm just going to be a video game programmer or I'm going to play video games for a living, there's a lot of kids that believe they're going to make their living playing video mm-hmm. games. 
And then what's even worse is they get on YouTube or Instagram and they see these people that have these shows about making a living by playing video games. And they're, they say to themselves, I'm going to be like Mr. Beast, or I'm going to be like this other person. I'm going to make tons of money by having an Instagram, YouTube, by playing video games. They believe it to be a reality. And guess what? School has now just become a, a ball and chain around my ankle. And what they then sow of not coming to school and paying attention, they're going to reap without learning anything and they don't understand the long-term effects of of it and that's where parents come in and say well, let's go back to the boundary you know what you can play video games within a boundary amount here is the amount of time and then after that we're going to do other things we're going to spend time together as a family we're going to play a sport or be in music or you know there's having a well-rounded do and your homework right do your homework spend time in school read a book and, and then you're creating a well-rounded human being because they're not capable of doing that on their own, and they need those boundaries. Well, that's the thing. They have to learn boundaries somehow. And you know, we, when you say, well, I don't want to limit my kid, and it's not fair to give them only this choice or that choice or whatever, it's not about limiting your kids or punishing them. It's about teaching them how boundaries work. They have to learn that. Otherwise, they're going to be a boundaryless person when they grow up, and they're, they're going to be a horrible person to be around right they're, they're going well, to well they're not ever going to be effective and it's develop this, relationships either it yeah it's the same understanding that in order for us to develop things we have to have boundaries here in arizona we have dams that hold back water that make it possible for us to water things throughout the year to live here if we had no lakes and dams we wouldn't be able to live in this place it's a boundary that creates this possibility for us to be able to have life they're things that they learn boundaries in create these possibilities that they can then have a life because if you sit in your room and play video games all day, you will not have food, water, shelter. You won't even have your video games anymore because you won't have electricity. And all of a sudden you go, wait a minute. I, this wasn't what I planned for, but the thing is they don't understand again because you haven't, the parents haven't taught them in that right. way. Right. That's exactly right. And another problem, and this isn't just with parents or anything like that, but sort of when the, you look at the flip side of, of reaping what you sow, um, we get into situations where we don't allow people to reap what they sow because someone else will come in and take away the consequences of those people's actions. So, for example, if your kid uh, says, hey, you know, I'm not, I was up all night playing video games, I don't want to go to school today, and you let them stay home, then you are taking away the consequences of that choice of staying up all night, right, where they don't have to go to school and fulfill their responsibility as a student and see what it's like to try and get through the day at school with no sleep for example that's right. the consequence of that choice if you say okay you can stay home all day it's no problem then you are taking away you're not allowing them to reap what they sow right the consequence the consequence right. of right the consequence of what you know you're reaping that's the consequence of what you sow what your actions are and um it's it's very interesting because this is a law and laws are always real and they always fulfill themselves so meaning just because someone takes away the consequences does not mean that you're the, the reaping isn't happening right when you sow something you always reap something someone else is reaping the the consequence it's the consequence is still there mm -hmm. but if your parents take that away then they are reaping the consequence of your choices which could be down the road that you fail in school for example right or whatever right and that's the longer consequence but it takes right. a little while to get to that you fail in school which again a letter grade on a it used to be a piece of paper now it's online <laughs> online Crazy. is is something who cares 
I go, okay, I got an F in the class. So what does that mean? Then whenever they get older and it becomes junior high, high school, and they have to have summer school, I tell the parents they need to pay for summer school because if you're paying for it, they don't understand the consequence of what that failure means by not being there in school, awake, alert, and learning. And then all of a sudden it becomes way more real to them when I have to, I think it's like $350, have to earn $350 to pay for this class because... That's what I chose to do. And again, in the Bible, so that's the reality, and that's law number one, the reaping and sowing, is in the Bible it talks about what we sow, we're going to reap, which to you and I makes sense. I put out wheat seeds. What am I going to get? Uh, wheat. <laughs> right. I'm not going to get corn because I, whatever I put out is what I'm going to get. But we don't understand that as human beings because many times, let's say that I'm an, a nasty person to my parents and they're just so kind and loving and I yell and scream at them and they just are loving and kind. Well, what I'm sowing isn't what I'm reaping back because there's no boundaries. If I mean and nasty to them and say they say, so the boundary setting process is when you, I feel my request is, when you yell at me, I feel hurt. I feel bothered. I, could you please use a calm tone of voice? And if the child doesn't do that, then it's re, you can't remove them because you can't make choices for other people, which for parents is difficult. And that's kind of the home you grew up in. Here, Joe, let's make the decisions for you. You decided to stay out late, so you now are grounded for the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still suffering PTSD or PTSD from that. Yeah, that's uh, that's it brings back. Uh, but you express to them that you're hurting them, and ultimately, because your kids are bonded and love you, they don't want to hurt their parents, and they and and. You can say, and so whenever you start yelling, I'm going to leave the room. You're not being disrespectful to the child. You're explaining to them that's not the way that you treat people that are loving loving and kind to me and loving and kind to yourself. Right. Interesting to note that people who are you know, interrupting this process, who are taking the consequences away, usually don't have boundaries. They don't, they and don't. that's why they don't understand it. Right, exactly. And it kind of creates a codependency um, between two people where there are no boundaries, and that's extremely unhealthy. Boundaries force us to reap what we sow, which is very important because this is how we learn things in life. And uh, the only way to really understand that is to let people experience the consequences of their actions. You have to do that. Mm-hmm. That's You're not and, doing them a favor by taking the consequence, consequences away. There's bigger consequences to certain things. Sometimes the consequences involve getting the law involved, and, and that consequence is harsh, and sometimes parents try to get their kids out of it, but that is the, the laws of the land are set again because those are boundaries to keep us safe and healthy. And if your child is, you know, there is some law of enforcement or thing involved with it, it's a great consequence for them to have to sit in a holding cell or to pay to do community service, to have to pay a fine because they have broken the law, which I'm guessing pretty much every one of our readers has been involved in a ticket of some sort some sort i think joe and i both might have be guilty of that one yeah just easy stuff just uh, speeding tickets speeding tickets <laughs> mostly right i think i've gotten that. one or two in my life but oh i usually get that a year <laughs> i'm much better now joe and i might be a little bit different yeah slightly. but you're you have a nice car that drives fast uh, i suppose that's the way <laughs> but but the but the consequence of that is having to pay it and if you don't pay it, there's a bigger consequence of them coming after you and you could get put into jail. And, and that's because they're teaching us that if everyone speeds, then we will have 
not safety and, and being, you know, being able to have that safety and protection within our society. And it, it, we don't want to take that away from our children. We might as well say it's okay to drink and drive then if we're just not going to have any boundaries at all, right? This is kind of where these things Same go. idea. Same idea. I mean, that's the thing. But once you open Pandora's box, right, where it's okay to do this, then you have an argument and a precedent to say, well, why is, is it not okay to do this? I'm, well, why can't we do this? And you don't really have an argument against it because you've already said, well, this is okay, so this must be okay. And it just kind of goes from there. So very much a slippery slope. And we're seeing that in society, which I think is another podcast episode for sure, but there's a lot of things that go on where um, you know precedent is being set and it's opening the door for other things that are much worse for society are going to be allowed to happen. Okay, let's move on to the second law. This is the law of responsibility. And nobody likes responsibility, but... It, uh, it's important. Right. And and it's interesting, too. Even within the culture of the church or the culture of society, many times the reaping and sowing and the consequences, they the culture wants to set the consequence. You chose to do this. It wasn't in keeping. So we're going to make the determination of what that punishment's going to be, as opposed to letting, let's say, in the church, there's a church court and God has appointed someone, and those are the people that administer the authorization of all of the, the powers of the priesthood and the things there are the authorities that have been appointed by God and we support it's their responsibility it's not the culture of the church and it's interesting I've heard people say as we get into responsibility and also reaping and sowing oh well that person really doesn't deserve that that's not fair that's not up to them to decide they think that they know or wow that person really you know I hope karma comes back and bites them in the butt or something that that's not for us that's taking our energy and investing it into something that that is our boundary that's not for us to determine no it's not at all and uh you know the the culture of the church will talk about um one of the myths that we talked about on the last episode where we're setting boundaries is self-centered and we should deny ourselves right and focus on other people and the culture will perpetuate that to the point where they make us feel like we should be responsible to other people first and not responsible to ourselves. So when we're asked to accept a calling, we have to accept it without question. It doesn't matter what's going on in our lives or how it's going to impact us or our family, different things like that. And that's, that's incorrect. That's absolutely ass backwards, really. You have to be responsible to yourself first, and we're responsible to other people, but we're not responsible for other people. Right. And in my, and it says in the book that you've disowned your own heart. And that's very true because I can't love others until I love myself. Rasband gave a talk on this in last conference. He first said, you know, here's the other principle to love others, but then we need to love ourselves because it is love thy neighbor as thyself, meaning I love myself first, not in a, again, very dysfunctional way of of giving myself everything but in loving myself it is if I love myself I'm going to have boundaries and I'm listening to my heart and that's what they're talking about disowning my heart because I love you and I love my kids like I set boundaries with them and I try to teach them I'm having you go to bed because I love you and they they don't always see it that way especially especially teenagers but and and I need to take care of myself before I can take care of others or that it's not there's nothing there to give. And that's the law of responsibility. Then moves into, I am responsible for my feelings and emotions, and you are responsible for yours. If I set a boundary and you're hurt, you're responsible for that. I'm not. And exactly, yeah. And I mean, right, this law is about love. 
and about loving others. It's not about duties or anything like that. It's about loving other people. And when you're not, um, when, when you're not loving other people, you're not really taking resp- full responsibility for yourself either. But very well said, you have to love yourself and be responsible to yourself first before you can ever love and be responsible for other people. But it's interesting. We have a responsibility to other people to help them in need. Mm-hmm. We have a responsibility to help people who are in need. We also have a responsibility to set limits and boundaries. Right. And that goes back to the scriptures to that we are responsible to take care of the poor, the widowed, those who are in need of our help. And the church has a wonderful system for that, which I love because it doesn't take a whole lot of thought on our part. I donate. Then they have people that I trust and that they have boundaries that take that and give it to those who really are in need. And that's a wonderful way to be able to serve and give to others as well as being aware and praying for those needs and asking and being able to to listen and receive revelation of how can I help those people that... Yeah, there's not a lot of corruption in the LDS church. And and that's, you know, when you think of, uh, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars kind of thing that they're responsible for, they do everything right with it. They, They do with their money what... God asks them to do with it, but there's nobody's making money right from this. Nobody's like a lot of charities, 80% of what you donate to a particular charity goes to administrative costs, right? Mm-hmm. And then 20% might go to the actual people who are in need. Not, not so at all. And, and this is something that I, I admire greatly about our church and very proud of it. And they do, they, they put their money where their mouth is and they're always the first on the scene when there's a disaster worldwide. There's always relief being sent from our church to people who need it. There's money put aside for that. There's warehouses of supplies uh, that are ready food. and available. Food, everything, medical supplies, blankets, whatever is needed. And it gets shipped out right away as soon as there's a disaster. And it's honest and it's done legitimately just out of the pure love of helping other people. And nobody's taking any money. I, you know, I mean, in our church, people pay tithing, which is we pay 10% of our income, which sounds crazy to a lot of people. Is how do you how do you live? You know, but it's a boundary you know, but again. It's a boundary. It's a big boundary. It is, but the uh, the church takes that money and uses it for the right purposes and uh, there's nobody skimming off the top with this and that's that's one thing that's absolutely amazing and, and I don't know that anyone really would believe that either because like how does that even happen but that goes back into the law of responsibility that right. the church understands what's in the gospel the truth that God has set up that we are responsible for the poor and the needy those who can't take care of themselves and that's why this is set up the other interesting thing I learned this past week was the church has a reserve of I, millions of dollars to, just for relief and it is always kept at that amount so they will mm-hmm. take and replenish it as soon as mm-hmm. it, it's given out that's right and the church has no debt or any any kind of obligations that they can't meet ever that's always been the case basically and uh, it's it's incredible how finely tuned it is run as a business and an organization and uh, you know if you ever are in salt lake city take the time to go to what's called welfare square Go to that location and take a look at the inner workings of all of that. This is kind of where the magic happens in, in terms of uh, disaster relief and humanitarian efforts. Uh, it's, it's just incredible what goes on there. But this is where they uh, put everything together and, and create all this. And it's just constantly going. And many uh, members of the church go and volunteer their time to help put kits together, for example, and, and make blankets or package things up and get them ready to go. 
And it's absolutely fascinating, the work that goes on. It truly is God's work being done to help those in need. And we're all in need at some time. We don't know when, we might not be poor, but we don't know when a disaster is going to strike our home and our lives and leave us with nothing. You just don't know. And I'm grateful to just to know that there's an organization out there that truly is doing the Lord's work. And they're not the only one, but they, they're definitely dedicated to that. And it's legit, which is it's pretty impressive. Right. And it, and we can trust them. I think we can, that's we can, the other We can really trust the them. I know. And that's hard for people to believe because it's like, well, you know, every, every organization is corrupt and when you have hundreds of billions of dollars flowing through, how do you not get tempted to skim? And, and they, you know, they, this is one reason that I know that the gospel is absolutely true because these people are dedicated to God and, and this is a much bigger picture. This is God's church and his work and these people are committed to that and that's the only thing. They're not committed to uh, to lining them, their own pockets or, or you know taking what it, what it is they want for themselves in any way. It's truly impressive to see that. Okay, next law is the law of power. Now we're getting somewhere. Now we're getting one somewhere. One of my favorites. I love Let's, to talk loves, about. Everyone loves power, right? Absolute power corrupts absolutely, I think they say. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's too bad. Well, let's go back to 2 Timothy. Um, Lovers of their own selves, covetous boasters. So covetous is going to get into the law of envy, but um, unthankful. Like I just see that I have the power. Look what I did. I'm so wonderful, and I'm not thankful to God or others who have helped me without natural affection that I see myself as the beginning and end um, and that they're heady high-minded lovers of pleasure and like I have the power to bring more pleasure to my life because and in a way it's entitlement which is kind of what we're going to get into also but it's this power of look at me I'm so wonderful as opposed to understanding and it talks at the beginning of in this book about the 12-step program which is that I'm powerless over my addiction in working with people in therapy, they don't like to hear I'm powerless. That literally to them is so defeating. Like, well, if I have no power, then... Well, they, they measure their value by that probably. They do. And and, and their, their, their stance in the world, how much power and control do I have in my home? Do I have dominion over my wife and kids? If I have no power, then I'm powerless and therefore vulnerable to be taken advantage of. And hurt. And hurt. Right. Or controlled. Or controlled. And and But in all reality, aren't we all beggars? You know, don't we rely on God who lends us our breath? We're getting into Messiah that we're lower than the dust of the earth. One of my favorite King Benjamin, I love the King Benjamin sermon because truthfully we are, are, are all powerless. And yeah, well, everything we have comes from God. The only thing we've talked about this before, but the only thing we truly have to call our own is our agency or our, our right will. to choose our will and our, mm-hmm. our right to choose. And even then, right, God asks us to submit that to him. So everything we have, and you may say, hey, I'm really successful because I worked hard and I, you know, I've got an education and I did all the work and I become really success- successful at everything. But all of that you know, right from the intelligence that you have to the work ethic that you have to the opportunities and the doors that have been opened to allow you to become successful, all that has been provided by God. And it's hard to understand that that's the case, right? But that, that is true. Everything we do uh, comes with everything we have comes from God. Now, I think this law, the law of power, is more about personal power, right? Because we are, we're, we're, we're powerless over sin because meaning that we, we, we can't avoid it. We, we, we all sin. A, a weak, frail human being. Right. We are going to sin. We are powerless right. over those things. Right. I mean, we have power to choose. choose to not to sin, but we can't choose to never, ever sin. 
No. Right? And that's okay because that's how this world is set up. We're supposed to sin because that's how we look. And we call sin missing the mark because sin's a dirty word. It, it has an ugly connotation to it. It means you're a bad person, and that's not true at all. We all sin, and we all miss the mark on different things, but this is how we learn and grow, and that's why we have an atonement. And that's the best part of the atonement is we can, we can take great comfort in knowing there's an atonement it's like a safety net so i can go out and i can make mistakes i can go miss the mark i can try things and learn from them and i'm not going to be held accountable for because these sins are going to be taken away by the atonement already so i have the freedom to go out and really learn and and understand why we do things why we don't and try things and learn oh yeah that's why we don't do these certain things because this is a bad thing or it has bad consequences or it makes me feel bad but it's good to know that i'm not going to be held accountable for all that so you you have to look at sin in the right way, but we are, um, let me see, we, uh, we can learn and grow from everything, all the choices we make and master our desires, and that's what's, what's important. So what's interesting is you talk about sin, we're watching The Chosen. We watched The Chosen yet? No. Oh. What's that? Oh, it's wonderful. It's um, non-denominational, Christian, and it's um, a movie free. Or is it a movie? It's an app. Is it's movies, and it's different about Jesus' oh. life. It's very popular. I'm surprised okay. you haven't heard of this. Eh, it's not really my jam when eh, it comes no. to movies. There's to be no, honest. there's no, no lights, drama, lightsabers, no... and guns, and shooting, no, and, and yeah, sex, and, <laughs> <laughs> and all that stuff. But but it is pretty dramatic. I mean, it's there's is it? It really. Is. I'm surprised. Oh, the Christian it, stuff, man. If you watch Christian movies, they're not dramatic. Oh, is not the word you use? Yeah, to, it I mean, is. I'll be honest, right? But but what's interesting is we go through Jesus' life and and how people want to point about sin. So. Remember the man who's born blind and they say, well, who sinned? Was it his parents? Was right. it, they want to, they want to pin sin on it to say, what well, did his parents sin? And that's why he was born blind. Or maybe he sinned. That's why he was born blind. And what does Jesus teach? That there is no sin, that it simply was something that this person was right, but given. We, right. With the gospel, we understand that these things are not punishment and they're not bad at all. They are situations that people are in in order for them to grow and learn what they need to learn for their own personal progression. Imagine what you learn being blind, going through life being blind. Exactly. Right. Wow. And it's not forever. It's only for this life, and which other, seems like forever. The other <laughs> thing we learned, though, is that he was also there because then people can witness the miracle and believe in the Savior Jesus Christ, and so it's this this vessel or this modality for amazing miracles and healing to happen. And if we look at that too, that wow, look at these people. This is a place where miracles can happen. That can I can help to bless their lives through. Of course, if if no one had any challenges in life, we'd never witness a miracle. We'd never have faith. We'd never be able to grow. We'd never be able to feel the spirit. When you see something incredible happen, you feel the spirit. When you, right when God is present doing something, you feel that. Uh, but what's interesting, too, is they see sin as the power being taken away. So why yeah. was this man's power to see taken away? Oh, he must have sinned. No truth to that. And, and everyone, and he has the same power within him, even though he can't see. He, the, as, as anyone else does. And those, and that's the myth is the law of power is that I do have the power to choose. It cannot be taken away from me. Right. With, within. And you, you can become powerful by mm -hmm. your choices. And, uh, uh, it's interesting. Here are some things that we do have power, power to do. We, we do have power to agree with the truth about our situations, our problems. We call that confession, Right. And it's also being self-aware. I call it reality. Oh, that's a good word for it. <laughs> it. Because people who are, you know, in this place of denial, I don't want to look at my problem. I don't want to face that. I'm going to put it away and not, that's not being empowered. Empowered is choosing the truth, choosing to be in the truth 
and and then the reality of the power of the atonement that's where the power is me partaking of that brings that and the only way to partake of the atonement is to be in the truth and be in reality about my problem about the sin about whatever it is that i have exactly uh and that's all self-awareness right realizing all these things and being able to move forward with that uh, we have the power to submit our inability to god and the inability is i can't i can't make up the difference for the sin right i need you to i help need me you with, i can't say in in Catholic confession, how many, I don't know. Our fathers and Hail Marys. Yes. All that stuff. Thank yeah, you, you for just, filling you, the blank in course, with that yeah. one. <laughs> but even with, oh, I'm going to do this many good deeds. I'm going to go out and serve. I'm going to, I'm going to make up the difference. That doesn't make up the difference. Sure, it's wonderful. The Savior is the only one. that I have the inability and I am meek, humble, and submissive, willing to submit to God in, in whatever he inflicts well, upon Well, it's, it's about this belief that there's a penance for every sin. Meaning that when you sin or miss the mark, you owe something. Pay. Right. You owe something. So you have to go do this to make up the difference. I, I, that's not true, I don't think, because the atonement's already paid for our sins. It's infinite. It, we don't understand that the, either. The payment was made before we ever even came to this earth, let alone did the sin. Right. right? It's always been there. It's always, always been paid for us. So it's okay to go out and sin in a sense it's okay to go out and use your agency to make the choices that you need to learn what you need to learn and sometimes we make the wrong choice but that's how we learn it's not a bad thing you're not a bad person and you don't owe anyone anything because that debt has already been paid uh, very important to understand that about the atonement uh, we also have the power to search and ask god to reveal more about what is within our boundaries Mm-hmm. That's very so interesting. So asking, Heavenly Father, is this mine or is this someone's else? I do this all the time. Heavenly Father, what do you want me to do? This is presented, and now what do I, especially with my kids, at what point do I let them take responsibility, and what is my responsibility? And he really helps to, to understand that that's theirs, and they need to go through this, or for me to maybe help and be more kind and loving within that, that realm. Absolutely. Uh, we have the power to repent, mm-hmm. we, right? To uh, to overcome the uh, well, to to admit. I think the, the weaknesses guilt. that we have, the guilt and, and the, and uh, the turning sins it over. Right. Turn, we turn everything over. Uh, very important to understand that we will never be perfect in this life. No one will, and it's so so like relax, right? It's you're not. I mean, again, that's a big thing in in our particular church because there is a lot of effort to. Uh, or I think there's a lot of emphasis on being perfect. We know that we can't, but there's still a lot of emphasis on being as perfect as you can be. And then the problem with that is there's judgment and shame that comes along with that if you're not as perfect as someone else thinks you should be. Uh, that's not cool. Uh, so we this is more about understanding what our weaknesses are and being able to work on them and being okay with that and understanding, hey, everyone's got weaknesses and if I turn that weakness into a strength, I've taken another step closer to becoming perfect, meaning becoming more like the Savior. Again, that's not going to happen in this life, but it is possible for us to become like him someday. It's just a matter of understanding how all this works. Uh, and so we, we own that. We have the power to repent. We have the power to improve and make better choices. Uh, we have the power to humble ourselves and ask for help, as we talked about. And uh, we have the power to, uh, to seek, and this is more of a 12-step thing, right? To seek mm-hmm. out those who we've injured and ask for amends. 
And which is great. And that's just forgiveness. That's, and that's one of the biggest um, steps in the 12 steps is that right. making amends. And it takes quite a while. The that's, other thing with that's me. That's being responsible to yourself. Yes. And that's where we're getting into like responsible and respect. The biggest thing for me with power is I have this power. Now, how am I going to choose to use it? I can choose to use it within the bounds that the Lord has set to serve him. I can choose it to manipulate and get gain for myself. So, and we've, and we've talked about this, like women have the sexual power. Right. I can choose to really have a lot of men be interested in me. I feel good about myself. Oh, look, I'm this, I'm attractive. I'm sexy. I have, or I can choose to use it within the, the bounds that the Lord has set and say, I have this power. I'm a beautiful, attractive woman and men will be attracted to me from who I am on the inside through that. And I don't need to manipulate through that. No, not at all. That, that that was the really kind of the main topic in our virtue episode. Right. A virtuous woman. That episode that we did, it's all about that sexual power. And virtue is not stifling your sexual power or hiding it or pretending you don't have it. It's just using it in a way that is not done through right. manipulation. And again, I have the power of I'm charismatic. I can choose to use that in a healthy way or I can choose to use it to manipulate, to gain more money, to get people to do things that I want them to do in a way that is not principled. And it's how I choose. So for me, power is how do I choose to use that power within my Right, that, that's the thing you, you, and this is where the culture comes in. The culture will have you stifle your sexual power because yes. they automatically assume if you express your sexual power that you're doing it for the wrong reasons or that it's unhealthy or that it is going against what God wants us to do. He gave women an incredible, beautiful sexual power and you should use that. You should express within that. Within the bounds within of the marriage. Boundaries. Yeah. Right. And right. that's what's wonderful. And men who have wives that express that, their their marriage is fulfilled because they she's able to express it and they have a, a connected, wonderful sexual relationship, mm-hmm. intimacy, and it's at a very deep level because she understands the bounds and so does the man with, with his. And it's expressed in that place, which is... A sa- and that's sacred in a way to be able to yeah. do that. Right. Right. But it also translates into, uh, we talked about how a woman dresses. And again, you know, choosing to use your sexual power to be virtuous doesn't mean that you have to cover up your whole body or that you can't dress in a way that's flattering and sexy for you because you have an incredible figure, let's say, or you're a beautiful woman or whatever, whatever the case is. You want to dress in a way that makes you feel attractive that's fine. There's nothing wrong with no. that, right? You're not using it to manipulate men, to get men to want you no. and to desire you and to control them. That's being virtuous, right? You can still dress super sexy and be virtuous. Again, and, and then we're going to get into the law of motivation. That's what that is. It's the intention behind it and what that power is used for. Right. So all of these are connected together. They, they are. And uh, right. So the next law is the law of respect. We just kind of touched on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I think, you know, we have a fear that other people will not respect our boundaries, which goes back to the myths that we talked about uh, last time. And uh, that's, um, I'll have a vulnerable moment. <laughs> that is, that has been a problem for me uh, with with that because, uh, you know, especially with, with dating women who aren't LDS, uh, there's different boundaries there when it comes to sex, for example, and intimacy and lifestyle choices. Totally. All these things are very, very different. Not insurmountable in any way, but I had a problem, and this is my own, weakness, I had a problem with enforcing my boundaries of, uh, you know, you know, the, the big one is, is, uh, you know, we make a choice as members of the LDS faith to save sex for marriage. Uh, it's not a, it's not a choice. And it's not a boundary that 
other people have, most other people have who are, especially if they're not LDS, right? They just don't have that boundary. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that this is right and this is how it's supposed to be. This is simply a boundary that we chose to follow because we believe that it was well, we made a, a covenant. From God. We and made a covenant to do it. Yeah, we made a covenant boundary. with God. That's a big boundary, right? right. But I saw that as a problem uh, because I believed falsely that women wouldn't respect that boundary and they wouldn't be interested in me. Or they wouldn't like you. Or they wouldn't like me because it's like, no, I'm not waiting to have sex before marriage. If I'm in a committed relationship with someone and we're exclusive, we, we want to have sex. And that's, again, that's great. If that's your boundary, there's nothing wrong with that. No. This isn't about right and wrong in any way, but there's a difference there. But I was fearful of that and I would let that fear allow me to consider not honoring my covenants because I wanted that person to be with me more than I wanted to honor my covenant with you God. Wanted which is, to be liked by them. Want to be liked by them, yeah. And that's the problem with kids. I want my kids to like me so I don't set the boundary. And whenever they, I hate you, you know, you're the worst parent ever. No, I said it because I love you, and I know you may not like me in the moment. But it's same thing in dating. What is, yeah. You may not yeah. like me. And the hard part is then sometimes you worry and fear that the women will feel rejected because you have told that and they won't be interested in you because of that. It's not that you're rejecting them. You're actually honoring them and respecting them. And once they get that, it changes and shifts into a different paradigm. Oh, yeah, and I, I, I learned all of that through my most recent relationship, which is wonderful in that regard because this person, she was uh, really able to help me understand that it's okay to have those boundaries. It's okay to have those covenants. And just because someone doesn't want to respect it uh, doesn't mean that it's wrong. And I learned through that experience with her. And she, by the way, was very willing to respect it, believe it or not. And she's not LDS or anything. But uh, I learned that I need to honor the covenant that I made with God. Because when I was willing to, and I didn't break the covenant with her, but I was kind of willing to because I, my thinking was, well, she doesn't have this covenant. It's not fair to ask her to adhere to my covenants when I'm, you know, not really willing to adhere to hers. So if I meet you in the middle and, you know, we were serious and we want to get married, then I'll be okay with having sex before marriage. Um, and so I was really, this whole experience helped me to understand that what I was really doing was I was fearing man more than I was fearing God, God. right? Which is wrong. We shouldn't be doing that at all. And I was more worried about, what she would think and how she would judge me versus worried about the covenant I made with God. Which is interesting. That means that you don't respect yourself. Oh, wait a second. And That's it, not cool. <laughs> really? Don't say that. I love myself. It's, it's about respect. I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And gosh, gosh darn it, people name? like me. Stuart Smalley. Stuart Smalley. That's right. Gosh darn it, people like me. Uh, that's interesting. I would never come to that conclusion about myself. I feel like I have great self-respect, but that's an interesting point because I think you're probably right in this case. But that's truth. And yeah, that's hard to look at. Like, oh yeah, because if I do respect myself, I'm not going to cross that boundary out of respect for the covenant and love for God, love for myself, which is kind of you know, love and respect mm-hmm. go hand in hand and love for God and respect for him that that's what he's asked me to do. I've made a covenant and I've promised him that I will do that. Yeah, and to and this is interesting because to her credit, she's an amazing woman in my eyes and uh, someone I really greatly admire. And she respected me more when I decided, you know what? No, I do have to maintain this covenant. And I was willing to take the consequences of her not being interested if I did mm-hmm. that. And she ended up respecting me more because I made that choice because she has a lot of self-respect, I think. And she say, listen, you made this covenant. You have to honor that and I will help you honor that. And, I'm not going to tempt you not to honor it. 
And it's like, wow, that's actually, see, so it works if you really just right. do what you're supposed to do, I think, in, in that faith. regard. And yeah, there is, yeah, exactly. So a great experience, a great learning um, tool for me uh, with regards to the law of respect. Uh, but it all, you know, just comes back to, you can see how this is a boundary. It's all about boundaries, right? It's, it's what's, what's very important. And we, you know, we, when we, uh, when we judge others' boundaries, we expect them to judge our boundaries. And so as a result, we're afraid to, to set healthy boundaries. Right. You know? And that's, it shouldn't be And again, be like the that. culture tells you it's our right to judge your boundaries and tell you if they're right or wrong. Interesting is the, again, culture of the church is really shifting in some ways. And the, the 20, 30 somethings right now are, are leaving the church because they feel like there's too many stifling boundaries and they don't want to respect those, which I say to them, great, go out. Try something different. If that's where your level of respect and your level of boundaries is at, see what it brings to you. See, see what, because there, again, God's never going to shun them or tell them they're wrong for sinning because that's what we came here to do. And, and, but the culture would tell them, shame on you. You made a your covenant. You have to keep to that covenant. There is no have to. We choose. We choose powerfully every day. And if that's what they choose to do, then it, they have these different boundaries that they want to, to make and keep, and that's okay. And it's it is okay. And it's again, not for us to judge. And that's no. the culture would tell you, well, we're the judge and the jury, and we're going to tell you that you're wrong. It's with that. true because the culture believes that we have this list, this checklist of what is right, and we've been given that by God. And so if you don't follow this, you're wrong. And that's <laughs> destructive to say the least, right, about that. But how do you not know that? a person's path, God's choice for them, mm-hmm. is some other faith, or it's another path completely. Right. You don't know that. You can't say, oh, listen, you're Mormon, so you always have to be Mormon, and you have to do things this way, and you have to live this way, and you'll be happy doing what we tell you to do. That's not happiness in any way, and you don't know what God's plan is for that person. Maybe they need to come into the church and see this side of it, and then they need to go and explore and see the other side of it. Maybe they'll find their happiness there. Maybe they'll realize, you know what, that's not what I want. I do want to have something structured in my life. We all religion. have a different path. We all have a different path, and but you have to respect that. You, there's only one path. Only one path, right. That's exactly right. I can't, <laughs> it's so true, but it's entirely true and crazy. And now let's go back to respect. They don't want to respect you, that they're choosing your path for you as opposed to letting you choose for yourself. And right. that's a lack of and respect. They, I know, and they think that it's done out of love, right? Because they love you and they say, well, I know that this is the right path for you. Trust me, it really is because this is the only path to be happy. We all have to follow this path so we can all be together as a family forever, which is a great concept and that works, but it's not for everybody. It's just, it's just not. I mean, that's, you can't force people on a path without giving them the option to choose what they want to choose. They may come back to it later after they choose to go see, you know what, maybe I want to live a different lifestyle. Oh, you know, I don't like that lifestyle. Yeah. That, that's, that's how I came into this church. I think if I was born a member of the LDS church, I would have strayed. There, there might have been a rebellious streak there. would be a rebellious streak. Because yeah. I think I would have had to know for myself, well, why don't we do certain things sure. why do we have all these boundaries and these rules why what's so bad about having a drink now and then what's so bad about this or that uh, and so i grew up outside of the church and i lived all of that and i explored different boundaries and i tried different things and i realized that living you know uh, uh, making choices that might be called sinful or whatever it's not happiness i wasn't happy living the lifestyle i was living and so and then i found the gospel and that is what gave me what I needed to find my own personal happiness. But that's, I needed to see the other side in order to know that this was the right thing for me. And a lot of people are like that. And so maybe you need to leave the church and come back. Maybe you need to leave the church and find your happiness somewhere else. Who knows? But it's your it's path. Not it's not for me. It's to not for someone else to judge. Including my not. children 
And weirdly oh, yeah. enough, including my spouse, it, people yeah. will see that their spouse make that choice and it has nothing to do with you. Again, where do I end? Where do they begin? Here's my boundary. Here's theirs. Just because we made a covenant does not mean I choose for them. No. And that's the problem with the church, or excuse me, with the culture of the church, because it does pound that message into our head is that, hey, you know, you're married, you're a family. Of course, you all want to be together. So you can't make any other choices. Otherwise, you just have to follow the same path because that's what's right. And that's where your happiness is going to be. And it's not always the case, right? You Just because kids were born into your family and you're a righteous LDS couple doesn't mean that's the path your kids want to choose, right? That mine you mean haven't. just because Heavenly Father had all of his spirit children that all of them chose to come to earth and that they wanted the Savior's plan? Didn't work for him either. No, uh, no. Well, exactly. <laughs> so what not. are we going to learn that. from that? <laughs> right. So exactly. So if God had, you know, a third or one one section of His children choose not to follow His plan, and they actually chose to follow the adversary's plan, and as a result, those children were not able to progress. Their progression was damned. We talked about damnation before, but damned in the in terms stopped. that it was stopped. Right. So meaning it was stopped for them because those spirits didn't get the opportunity to come to earth and have a physical body and progress and then have an eternal immortal body later on. They were stopped where they are in the world, progression. in their progression, where they don't have a body, there's a spirit. So what I'm saying is that simply sets the tone or the example for us that even he, God, the eternal right. father, also So lost. don't sweat it if your kids don't follow the path that you want for them. God lost at least a third of his You live in your kids. boundaries and right. be respectful to you. Okay, right. let's do Last this. one. Oh, I, let's save that one for the next one. Because oh. I really want to start with that one. With the law of motivation? Yes. And okay. then people come back next week. We're going to start with the law of motivation. Oh, okay. So what we're are you doing... basing it? What's your intent and motivation? Okay. That sounds great. Let's do that. Uh, the boss has spoken. So we, All right. <laughs> we are doing that. So uh, four uh, laws today. Next week, the final six laws. I know you can't wait. It's going to be exciting and thrilling and lots more to talk about. So um, thank you again, as always, for listening. Uh, this is a great episode. Lots of good, deep uh, things to think about. And uh, be thinking about these laws and how they kind of play into life and, and the importance of them. And, and how they tie into God's laws and, and the laws of the world and how everything comes back to uh, setting boundaries. And, uh, you know, this is uh, something that is important. And, uh, again, this is, these laws will really help us to align in a way to make the boundaries that are work best for our lives. So thank you once again for listening. We will see you in the next episode. In the meantime, keep the faith and keep your stick in the ice. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Impeccable Perspective Podcast. Subscribe to us on Spotify, Amazon Prime, iHeartRadio, and wherever fine podcasts are sold. 